0: I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolde, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Musser Masterclass. Firstly, before we talk about the topic, I want to wish everyone a Chodesh Tov, this is a new month. Tonight begins the month of Adar. Adar, as the halacha tells us, Mishenichnas Adar, Marbin B'Simcha. When Adar comes in, it is a time where joy is increased. And it's a time where the Jewish people are known to have great fortune during this month. Uh, it, the halacha says that if you have a court case, push it off to the month of Adar because you have the best luck in the month that we're in right now. Of course, we remember that the month of Adar also has the holiday of Purim. Purim is smack in the middle of the month, and it is a very, very, very powerful time for connection with the Almighty. I'm going to talk about this more this during the week. We're going to have a class. We're going to do a About the month of Adar, but I just want to share with you in the name of Adar, as we know, they're not Hebrew names. They were taken back when the Jews were in Babylonia. Adar comes from the the two words, Aleph, which is, which is the master, Adon, Dar. He resides among us. God is close to us. The time of Adar this month, Hashem is so close to us. It's a good time. It's a good vibe. Now, by the way, also, if you look outside, you start seeing the weather starts getting a little bit better. It it starts, you know, the cold weather is is passing on. It's a great time of year. It reflects the time where the Almighty is feeling closest to us. Yom Kippur is like Purim, Yom Kippurim, Kippur im It's like Purim. Purim is such a holy day. It's such a mighty day that Yom Kippur is compared to Purim. Now, most people think of Purim as being a day where we get dressed up, where people drink a lot, and people say silly things. That's not what Purim is about. I know that some people think that Purim is, oh, the Jewish Halloween. It's not. Halloween is a pagan holiday and Purim is one of the holiest Jewish holidays. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to do a class on Purim itself as well. So what's tonight's topic, you may ask? Tonight's topic is prayer. And I would like to dedicate, hopefully over the month of Adar to talk about prayer. What does prayer have to do with Adar? Well, when Hashem is so near, when Hashem is Adar, He is Adon Dar, Hashem is residing near us, He's close to us, this is a perfect time. A perfect time to exercise the power of prayer. Because prayer is so powerful that it gets to the throne of the Almighty. Prayer is so powerful that it cuts through everything. So I want to spend the next couple of weeks, tonight and the next couple of weeks, talking about strengthening the power of prayer in our lives. So we know that the Talmud says already that how do we identify what is a man? Man is identified by his ability to pray. And there's a verse that backs it up. Man is distinguished from the rest of the species of the world because of our ability to pray. We can pray. We can talk to God. And there's a lot to unpack over here. So before we talk about prayer, you know, there was a Question that my grandfather asked, one of the great leading rabbis in Israel, he said, why are we teaching four-year-old children, three-year-old children, two-year-old children? They're so young, they don't understand the concept of standing in front of God, of talking in front of God, perhaps. Maybe we should only start teaching them about prayer when they're mature enough and old enough to understand the concept of standing in front of a Creator. It's a good question. Said, no. Even from the youngest age, a child needs to learn to be talking to God. Even from the youngest age, you know, there's an amazing Talmud. The Talmud says that every age has the right time for its development. Okay? Because of its its age development stage, you should teach the child something that's specific for that age age appropriate. So for example, it says that a child at the age of five should start learning Chumash. At the age of 10, should start learning Mishnah. At the age of 15, should start learning Talmud. And at the age of 18, you should get married so, there's a time for everything. But do you know what it says? As soon as the child starts being able to speak, teach it how to say, Torah tziva numosha. moshe. Torah tziva numosha. Those are the first words that a child who learns how to speak should utter. They should speak out the words, Torah, Tziv, Moshe. What does that mean? That the Torah, it's a verse from the, from the Torah, in Deuteronomy, that the Torah was commanded to us by Moshe. Why is it so important? Because at the moment they're starting to speak, you're already imbuing within them, emuna, Faith, clarity, knowledge of Hashem's existence. The first thing he says when he starts talking is Torah Tzival Anu Moshe. The Torah is Emes. Hashem is Emes. Moshe is Emes. The first things immediately instill the emuna. Why? Because when a child grows that from the very beginning he knows that there's a creator, He knows that there is a God who created him, who brought him to this world because the world needed him and is going to take care of him in every possible way. He needs to learn how to communicate with that God. We need to learn how to communicate with a creator that we allegedly can't see. Now, of course, we know that you can see God. Not in a physical way. Not in a tangible way. I can see you. But I I can't see God in the same way. You see God by his actions. You see God through the, the trials and tribulations that he custom makes for you. You see it through the reward, through the smiles that God shines at us. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't see God, that you cannot see God. Of course you can see God. All we need to do is open our eyes. God is everywhere. You know, who taught us this. Abraham, our patriarch Abraham, what did he do? People came into his house. He would open up. He had the first soup kitchen, his tent was open to all four sides, people passing by in the desert, were hungry, were thirsty, come inside Abraham's tent, Sarah's tent, and they would feed people, and as people would get up to leave, they'd say, thank you so much, Abraham, thank you so much, Sarah, the soup was delicious, everything, and what would Abraham say, he says, he's saying thank you to me, don't say thank you to me, say thank you to God, he says, God, who's that, what do you mean who's God? What do you think? You just plant a seed into the ground and a tree grows with apples? It just works like that? It's a miracle. That's God who does that. Like, oh, this God, what do you, tell me more about this God. You know, Abraham was from Haran. That was the first torch center. It was the Torah outreach resource center of Haran. And Abraham was doing outreach, teaching the world that God exists. By the way, that's Torch's mission. Torch's mission is that every single Jew should live with a passion and a knowledge that Hashem is right there. How do we do it? We do it through a thousand different ways. Each one of our classes has that one goal. So Abraham says to them, don't thank me. Thank God. And like, Tell me more. Say Shara starts showing them look at the trees, look at the plants, look at the flowers, look at the sun, the moon, the perfect, everything is perfect. Look at the human being. Unreal. You think this happened on its own? Ah, I never thought about it. Thank you, Abraham. And Abraham teaches them to recite the grace after meals to thank Hashem. And he got many followers, many people who became A- Abrahamites. And same thing with Isaac and the same thing with Jacob. Each one of them instilled and founded a prayer. Abraham was in the morning. We have the morning prayer. It says, Vayashkem Avraham He woke up early in the morning and he prayed Shacharit. Shachar means the morning, sunrise. Abraham instilled the morning prayer. Isaac was in the afternoon. He went out. When was it? In the middle of the day. when The sun is about to set. Afternoon. Abraham prayed Mincha. Isaac prayed Mincha. And Jacob. Jacob instituted the evening prayer. And each one is based on a verse in the Torah. What are we learning from this? that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob instilled that every moment of the day should be immersed in prayer. There shouldn't be an experience in life that doesn't include God. Everywhere you go. I want to share with you something very interesting. There's a man in New York who was very, very successful in business. And then he lost his business, and then he made did very well again, and then lost his business. He went to some holy rabbi, and he says to the rabbi, what do I do? He says, what's going? There's no rhyme or reason. He says, are you very, very careful to always pray with a minion? He says, "I do the best I can. He says, if you use extra caution to always pray with a minion, and to always pray on time, you'll be guaranteed unbelievable success. This guy is one of the wealthiest Jews today in New York. You know what? He travels with two cars behind him. He has 10 people. He has nine people that he pays a full salary to travel with him wherever he goes. He goes around the world. They're flying with him. He doesn't go anywhere without a minion. That's how important it is, not only for his success financially, but for his own spiritual growth, for his own spiritual connection. To never have a time of the day where I'm not talking to God. Not to miss a morning prayer, not to miss an afternoon prayer, not to miss an evening prayer. To our have our full day completely encircled, completely immersed in a conversation with God. My grandfather writes in his book, he says that anybody who understands prayer— An experienced real prayer will identify that each prayer is linked to the next or to the previous one. You pray the afternoon prayer. It's a continuation of your morning prayer. Now, prayer doesn't mean that I just read the words out of the prayer book. Prayer means that I understand the words that I'm talking to the Almighty it means speaking the word of the heart. It says, what is the work, the, the labor of the heart? Zoe tefillah. That's prayer. Prayer means the work of the heart. Prayer is not just reading words. So why do we read words? Why do we read words? So we have to understand that the men of the great assembly were, let's call it, you know, when you have, everyone uses a computer, you use a phone, you use a tablet. You ever wonder, why do I need to press this button to get this result? Because that's the way the programmers programmed it. That when you press the phone button, it opens up the phone app. Yeah, but I want to press the calendar and I get the phone app. Well, that's not the, the way the programmers made it. Guess who the programmers of our prayer are? That's the men of the great assembly. And the way they designed the prayer with prophetic insight, with divine inspiration, is that if you want to connect to all of the hidden layers of godliness, these are the ingredients. And if you were to look at the programming, that goes behind your iPhone and your computer and why when you click here, this happens, why you click there, that happens. You'll uncode it. You know what you'll see? A bunch of zeros and ones, zeros and ones. That's the whole digital technology that we're dealing with is all zeros and ones. And if you don't understand that language, that coding language, it won't make any sense to you. We're not programmers we don't understand the depths of the genius of the prophetic insight that our sages constructed in our prayer. Our sages tell us not to change the words of what was designed by the men of the Great Assembly. And that's the prayer that we have. It's the morning blessings. It's the the verses of praise, where we give thanks to Hashem, where we sing His praise, when we have the blessings of the Shema and the Shema, and then we have the Amidah, and then we have the end of the prayer every morning. It's in a very specific order. Why? Because you want to touch all the proper notes. We're, we're telling you how to do this. So just my own personal prayer? Rabbi, you just said a minute ago that it's a it's it's a labor of the heart. It, it, there is a, a labor of the heart. That's true. Within the framework of how the sages structured it, we can pray how we want. Meaning, we have in our Amidah we have three prayers and three blessings in the beginning, and three blessings in the end, and they're encircled. They are. In the, the the three prayers, three blessings in the beginning, the three blessings in the end are the end caps for the 13 blessings in the middle. What are the 13 blessings in the middle? So I'll start from the first one. We Start with our patriarchs. The first blessing. What's the idea of praying a blessing that recognizes the patriarchs? What we're doing is, is we say, is the beginning of the Amida. Yeah, if we're saying Elokei Avraham, God of Abraham, Elokei Yitzchak, God of Isaac, Veloke Yaakov, and the God of Jacob. You know what's very unique? What's very unique is that it could have said Elokei Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead, it says. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Was well, it a different God? say sages tell us, no, it was a different person. Every person relates to God in their own unique way. Abraham was through his kindness. Jacob was through his truth. Isaac was through his his, his courage. Everyone was through their own way. They were able to see that God was the perfection that they were seeking to connect with each and every one of them had their own relationship with God. And you know why that's important for us to say in our prayer? Because each and every one of us have our own personal relationship with God. And the way in which you talk to God is different than the way anybody else will talk to God. It's the first thing we try to solidify in our prayer is recognize that we are an individual. And as an individual, we need to recognize that our prayer is very, very special, very unique, just as unique as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It's also the God of Phil. It's unique the way in which I personally can relate to the Almighty and talk to him in my own special way. The next is Gvuros, is mentioning God's greatness, God's might. That God gives life and God takes life. God revives the dead with abundant mercy. He supports the fallen. He heals the sick. He releases the bound and maintains his faith to those asleep in the dust. He's talking about all the mighty things that God does. The next prayer talks about the holiness of God's name. Atakadosh v'shimcha kadosh. You're holy. Your name is holy. Ukdoshim b'chol The holy ones praise you every day, forever. That's us. That's our prayer. Okay, and then we get to the meat of the prayer. Those are the introductions. By the way, every single Amidah, whether it be a holiday, a festival, a Rosh Hashanah, a Yom Kippur, every single holiday has these three blessings in it. The Middle prayers, Shabbos, you'll have the first three prayers exactly the same. The middle prayers, that changes. On a weekday, on a holiday, on a Shabbos, on a Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, that'll all change. But on a regular weekday, what do we talk about? Bina, insight. Hashem, give us insight. Give us intellect. Give us wisdom. So we say the words of what our sages prescribed for us. This is, a the doctor prescribes a certain medication and then you can add certain supplements. Right? You can do other things added to it. Our sages tell us that right before you say Baruch Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, put in your own words. Hashem, give me some insight to understand so that I can su- succeed on my test. So I can be smart in choosing the right friends. Anything that having to do with wisdom, with insight, with intellect, ask Hashem. Talk to Hashem. The next is tshuva, repentance. It's not only repentance between us and God. It's repentance for mistakes we've done with our fellow. Hashem, I know I did something wrong to to my fellow, but I can't. I don't have the 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 courage. I don't have the 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 strength to go and apologize. Hashem, I need your help. Assist me. Give me the guidance. Forgiveness. Redemption, personal redemption. Religious redemption as a people that we should all find redemption. We're living in an exile right now. We're living in a difficult time. We mentioned this previously, and you look at me like, "What? What exile? Everything is great. I have my pension, I have my retirement fund, I have my sa- my savings account. Stock market's doing okay. Guess what? Do you know why there's anti-Semitism? Because we're in exile. Because we're not in the place we're supposed to be." You know what would be freedom? If We were all in Jerusalem, and we had our temple rebuilt, and there'd be offerings being brought by the Kohanim, and the Levine would be singing, and the nations of the world would be at peace with Israel. It's amazing what goes on in the world. Look at the news every day. You know, it's, it's amazing. Okay, then pick, pick a country, pick any country, uh, Uganda. How many people live in Uganda. Hundreds of millions of people, how many people live in India? Two billion people. can I just ask a question? Has there ever been a time that you opened up the paper and you read something about what's going on in India? never, never, never unless they 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 uh broke some record in manufacturing more cars than uh Chrysler, whatever it is, like you know something like that. but do you ever see about the politics or about policies or about developments, technology, you don't see anything. Here's the amazing thing. Anywhere you travel in the world, anywhere you travel, you're traveling a lot, right? I I ask you, please, next time, open up the newspaper in any language. I guarantee that within the first three pages, there'll be some article about Israel. Any given day, It'll be pro-Israel, it'll be anti-Israel, it'll be this about that. It's like, why is Israel the fascination of the world? This microscopic country that has a mere 8 million people in it is the obsession of the world. Why? And the world usually doesn't have anything nice to say about us. When we do more for other nations than almost anyone else, Turkey. Turkey hasn't been such a great friend to Israel lately. Over the last 10 years, they've been miserable neighbors. But guess what? What nation was the first nation to be there with aid, with relief, with field hospitals? Israel was the first. They just had a terrible, terrible earthquake last week. Israel was there in hours. Do you know that Israel has special units in the army that are sitting at Ben-Gurion Airport waiting for a world tragedy, a world disaster? They get on that plane and they go. Tell me one nation in the world that has that. Only Israel. Only Israel. It's unbelievable. You know why? Because we need to recognize that the world is not going to love us. The world is not going to love us. Till Mashiach comes, the world's not going to love us. The world's not going to be at peace with us. We have to do everything we can to bring God into the world. We need to do everything we can to act in a godly way. Show the world, yeah, yeah, you know, Iran, you hate us, and you you vow to our destruction every day. And still, when you have a tragedy, we'll be there to help you. We're in Galos. We're in exile. We pray every single day, Hashem, bring redemption. But you know what? In our personal lives, we can also be in redemption. We can also ask for redemption. We're all in our own personal exiles. To one person, they need a job. To one person, they need a spouse. To one person, they need a friend. To one person, they need happiness. To one person, they need health. Everybody has their own thing. Pray. Talk in your own words. In your own words, you're facing a challenge, talk to the Almighty. We ask for health. The next prayer is health. Not only for you, anybody you know. You know what the Talmud tells us? The Talmud tells us that when you ask for, when you ask God for health for someone else, If you know them, you don't need to know their name. God knows who you're praying for. People sometimes like, oh, I have to have the exact name. You don't need to, the Talmud says. Show love, show compassion for another person. God knows exactly who you're referring to. Hashem, help so-and-so's mother-in-law. Guess what? You're bringing blessing to the world. Year of prosperity. Everybody wants a good livelihood. Everyone wants to be able to afford their rent, their mortgage, their taxes. We ask for it. The ingathering of exiles. We talked about exile, right? The ingathering of exiles. Bringing all of our brethren. Imagine if you had a sibling you haven't seen for years and years and years. They live out in Indonesia. You have another sibling who lives in Peru. You don't get a chance to talk to them. They're in the middle of some place out, in the middle of some forest. You're longing to be reunited with them. Say, just tell us, the Jewish people were all brothers and sisters. And sadly, we're in exile. We're in exile. We're in all corners of the world. Wherever you go, there, Jews. Wherever you go, even though we're the smallest, the fewest, it's like sand. Sand gets everywhere. And that's why I can't. I don't really particularly enjoy going to the beach because you get sand everywhere. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? All over the car there's sand, and all over the clothes, and all the bags, and all the food. Everything gets sand. Guess what? Jews are compared to the sand too. Little, 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 little drops of Jews, but they're everywhere. We ask Hashem, bring the redemption. We should have the ingathering of the exiles. So the Jews from Los Angeles, the Jews from Alaska, the Jews from places we never even heard of, Bring them all to, bring them all back. Restoration of justice. Anybody have an injustice in their life ever? Things that go that don't, that shouldn't. This is a time to pray for it. Had an individual who told me, he taught me about this blessing. He was going through a very difficult divorce. So I said to him, you know, I feel your pain. I feel your situation. I'll pray for it. And then he brought it to my attention. He says, You know we have a prayer specifically for this. I said, What? And he said, Hashiva Shaftenu, restore our judges as in earliest times, and our advisors as at first. Remove from us sorrow and groan, and reign over us, you Hashem alone, with kindness and compassion and justify us through judgment. It should be good judgment. It should be proper judgment. It should be justice judgment. It's a time to pray for it. And so on each one of these prayers, read the words. You can read it in English, by the way. There's only one part of our prayer that needs to be in Hebrew. That's the Shema. Everything else recite in English. It's fine. The language that you understand, but more importantly, the language of your heart. Before you say, Baruch Atah Hashem. Before you say, Blessed are you, Hashem. Stop for a second. Say your own words. Your own expression. You can talk. You can sing. You can cry. You can think. You can contemplate it. You can, you can meditate. That's really what I think the source of meditation is. Our Amidah, our silent Amidah, where it's quiet. Everyone is quiet. In fact, you're supposed to only say the words loud enough that your own ears can hear the, hear it, but that nobody else can hear it, so you don't disturb anyone else. So there are two main parts of prayer. We already talked about one, which is understanding the words. But there's another one which is much more fundamental. And that is understanding that we're standing before God. You know, I once, I once talked when we did our partnerships with all the reform, orthodox, conservative synagogues all around town. We would partnered with up to 19 congregations at one point. And we talked about many different character traits, and I remember one time we had a big, long discussion about honor, dignity, what it means to have self-respect, to carry yourself with a proper dignity. Like, imagine—and the sad thing is that this is the way it works today. You know, to imagine your doctor didn't walk in with slacks and a nice dress dress shirt. He walks in in his shorts and t-shirt, flip flops, with his white coat on top. Now, today they do that. Actually, it's unfortunate they don't. You know, it's. It used to be people would get dressed up before they went on an airplane. Today, people get undressed before they go on an airplane. You know, people are coming to the airplane in, in pajamas. It's like it's really it's 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 a surprising world we're living in where people don't have self dignity, they don't have self worth to carry yourself like a human being, like a precious creation of the Almighty. So we talked about this. So we talked about the proper way when you walk into synagogue, you should walk in dressed properly. It says that one of the great Tanaic sages, 31B in tractate brachot, one of the great sages would dress himself in beautiful, he'd have special clothes to walk into synagogue. I'm about to talk to God. I have to look right, I have to look appropriate. Comb is here, brushes, look, look, look fresh. So the next week I come to the class and the students are just like with their mouths open. They're like, you won't believe, it. we just talked about last week, we talked about honor and dignity. Like you won't believe what happened. Our rabbi came in Friday evening for Shabbat services in shorts, t-shirt and flip-flops. They're like, we all looked at each other like, no self worth. No self. Forget about this, the respect to the synagogue. Forget about respect to the, to the Torah scroll. Forget about respect to the congregants. Respect to the self. We're not here to judge anyone. And what I encourage them to do is to find Something positive, you know. He was coming back from the beach, and he thought it would be important for him to show up. You know, find something positive. But it's it's important for us to understand that we're standing in front of the Almighty. Would you go like that to the White House to meet the president? No one would go in shorts and flip flops to to meet the president. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I had the privilege of meeting two presidents, two past presidents. And I can tell you the trepidation before, and they weren't even sitting presidents. They were past presidents. I didn't know they were going to be there. I had no idea. And suddenly I, I look around the room and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's, there's the president. And the person I was sitting with, he says, look behind him. I look behind him and it's another president. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, can't, I couldn't even sit straight. I know my friend, I said, I'm going over to say hello. And I cleared my throat 30 times before. Do uh-uh, you uh, like practicing? What am I going to say? And, you know, fixing up my jacket and my tie and making sure that everything is like, I am look like a mensch. You're going to talk to who? King of flesh and blood. Who once was a king. How about when we talk in front of a king, the creator of heaven and earth? (laughs) Hakol Yachol is powerful in every way possible. There's no limitations to God's abilities. How do we prepare ourselves for that? We just run in, run out if we understood what it meant that God is waiting for us. The halacha says that a person should have a set place for prayer. Isn't that amazing? Every person should have a set place for prayer. In fact, the halacha even says further that if someone is praying at home, they should pray in the same place. Why? Because God waits for you in the place that you pray. Let me ask you a question. God's got a pretty busy world to run. And God's waiting for me in my corner where I pray. That's where he's waiting. answer is yes. God loves our prayer so much. He sits there and waits for us, so to speak. So if you pray in a specific seat, seat 1A, don't show up one day and seat 10G. God's going to be like, where's my guy? I was waiting for him at 1A. That's his normal seat. Today he's at a different seat. That's how much God loves our prayer. That God is waiting for us to communicate with him. See, the problem is we think that God is so far and so distant. I've had a lady here, a mother tell me, she says, Rabbi, God doesn't care about my son's little league game. Yes, he does. Do you care about your son's little league game? Of course, he's my son. Guess what? You're God's daughter. And your son is God's son. And just like it's important to you, it's important to him. Of course he wants to hear about your little league game. And God wants to hear about every single one of our excitements, every single one of our joys, every single one of our challenges, our hopes, our dreams. There's nothing that God doesn't want to hear about. Oh, but God knows everything. So what am I? Communicate. This is your relationship Builder. It's interesting that women are communicators, men are not. Which is why men have an obligation to go and pray three times a day. To learn to communicate. To learn to talk. To learn to be present. All the things that men are not. To train ourselves to become a better person. Prayer is so powerful. So we have to understand, number one, what are the words that we're saying? Talk. Prayer shouldn't be a rush. There's no need to rush in prayer. Prayer should be talking to God. Yes, our sages put together the infrastructure for us to be able to communicate properly. But also to understand, most importantly, you're standing in front of God. That's why we take three steps back, three steps forward before prayer, and then three steps back, just like you would in front of a king, you take three steps back when we depart from our conversation with the Almighty. But it doesn't end there. Our conversation with God doesn't end when we leave the synagogue. Wherever we go, any place we go, God is there, with us, hearing our prayer, hearing our requests. It's a work of the heart. Each prayer connects to its previous prayer. He spoke this morning. My, gra- my grandfather, very interestingly, my grandfather. So th- this is the way most people have their prayers set up every day. Go to the morning prayer as early as six fifteen, six o'clock. You can have the earliest depending on when sun rises. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. If you're really late in you're n- in New York, you can find the 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Minion for morning prayer. Afternoon prayer starts from a half hour after midday. Midday is not 12 o'clock. It's halachic midday, which is about 1 o'clock today. So a half hour after that. That's when you can start praying, praying the mincha service till when till sunset so what many people do is because the evening service you can begin from after sunset people pray the mincha right before sunset the maariv right after sunset and that way they get a buy one get one free instead of having to go to synagogue twice for mincha and for maariv they just go once to synagogue and they get them both My grandfather never did that. He always prayed Mincha at the earliest possible time. Why? He said, I'm so excited to talk to God. I can't wait. I have the earliest opportunity I can to talk to God. I'm going to wait another four hours, five hours in the summer. It could be eight hours later. I'm going to wait so long to talk to God. I can't. I can't wait. It's a little bit of a concept, uh, giving us a glimpse into how our sages connected with prayer. Connecting to the Almighty on such a level that it's a conversation. I can't wait to have my next conversation. Yeah, and it, along the process, we have many small little tidbits that we can be talking to God. Hashem, I need your help here. Hashem, succeed my way. I'm walking into a meeting. Hashem, Please. Make it that that it works out right. That I say the right words. You know, there's a rabbi, a great sage, who was once asked a question. And he gave a brilliant answer. People asked him. It was a very difficult question that he got. People asked him after. It's like, how did you come up with that answer? See, he says, before I said anything... I made a little prayer. Said, "Hashem, I have no idea how to answer this person. I have no idea. There's nothing I can say that could be that can make them feel good about this. There's nothing I can say that'll make them happy. Hashem, put the words in my mouth. I'm your vessel." He says, "I." I said the words that Hashem put in my mouth. I have literally no idea how I came up with those words. Come up with the words. Hashem, put the words in his mouth. Yeah, little prayer. Hashem, put the words in my mouth. There's a lot to talk about prayer. We're going to talk, hopefully, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the structure of prayer. We're going to talk about different examples of prayer throughout our history. But I think the number one message from tonight is that we need to know that God loves our communication with him. He's right there waiting and listening to our prayers. He wants us to communicate through the words of our hearts. We all have the ability. You don't need to be a Moses to pray. You don't need to be an Abraham to pray. You don't need to be one of the great scholars and sages to pray. Talk to God in your words. He wants to hear your words. And if you have the, the opportunity every morning to pray, even in your home, open up a prayer book and just say a few words. Talking to God. There's nothing more powerful than feeling grounded, feeling that connection with the Almighty. Hashem should bless us all during this month of Adar, the month of joy, the month of happiness, that we should feel that connection with Hashem Utilize the power of prayer. just tell us that this month has an unbelievable ability for prayers to be accept- accepted. Why? Because prayers aren't accepted out of sadness. Prayers are accepted out of happiness, out of joy. This being a month of happiness and joy is an opportunity for us to maximize our prayer. Hashem should bless us all that we should be able to pray words of clarity, words from our heart, and God willing, all of those prayers will be accepted and fulfilled with love. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.